Hello and welcome to the Guelph Politicast. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico. Today I talked to Steve Kraft, the CEO of the Guelph Public Library. This year marks Kraft's 40th anniversary as a dedicated employee of the Guelph Library System. He rose through the proverbial ranks, or do I mean stacks? From the counter in the children's library to the chief executive's office. As Kraft's library career in Guelph turns 40, the system he manages is turning 150, and as the Guelph Library marks its sesquicentennial, it's in the middle of a very transitional period, with a new main library building coming after decades of debate, and the growth of the library's importance as a kind of social services hub. But even the library's core services will be changing as a result of the new building, and those directions will have to pass over Kraft's desk. So, who better to talk to about the library's future, which is the topic of this week's Guelph Politicast. On June the 20th, something almost impossible happened in downtown Guelph. Ground was broken on the new main library building in the south end of the Baker Street redevelopment area. A lot of people usually turn up for a groundbreaking or a ribbon cutting, but they don't normally count in the hundreds. It was a positive sign for the excitement around a project that's been much talked about for 20 years. And Stephen Kraft brought a special prop to the occasion, a shovel owned by William Teitler, when he planted a tree on the grounds of the library to mark his 50 years as a member of the library board in 1931. It was symbolic of a Guelph truism, I think, one that Kraft and Teitler both have in common. The people involved in the Guelph Library, tend to stay involved. Kraft will be leaning on that community commitment for the next few years because there is still a lot of organizing that needs to be done between now and when the new library opens in 2026. There's some serious fundraising that needs to be done for one thing, and then there's all the stuff that will need to be ready when the building itself opens. Decisions about what new programs to offer and Those programs will have to be staffed by entirely new staff people who have to be hired. And in the midst of all this, there's the daily question about what a library is in the year 2023. Yes, they've got books, archives, and periodicals, plus computer and internet access. But more broadly than that, the library provides a unique thing in the community, a place where someone can go and spend the day and never have to pay a price for admission, like buying some food or a drink. The library building itself is a sanctuary, which is making people rethink its role in our community as a place where people can also access assistance and compassion, as well as books in the internet. These are some of the considerations that affect life in the CEO's office on a daily basis, and they are some of the things that we're going to talk about with Steve Kraft on this week's edition of the Guelph Politicast. Kraft is going to talk about his career starting in the children's library, why he wanted to become a librarian in the first place, and how technology has changed what a library is all about. We will also talk about how much of his time as CEO right now is about preparing for the new building, whether it's still hard to believe that it's finally happening, and what plans there are for the various branches once the new building is complete. And finally, we will discuss the demand for library programs, whether we should be thinking about libraries as a social service, and if there is anything that a library cannot do. So I caught up with Steve Kraft a couple of weeks ago via Zoom. 
Okay, Steve Kraft, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you for inviting me. This is um, an opportunity that I don't get too often, that is to say, to talk to you. So <laughs> what a pleasure. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much. Um, I wanted to ask you this question first. Uh, you know, we're a couple of weeks out from the, the, the groundbreaking of the new library building. I, I'm wondering, do you ever wake up in the morning and wonder if it's all a dream? <laughs> I know exactly. Good question, Adam. Thank you for that. Um, you know, I do think it's actually going to happen. So that's great. But I do appreciate your, your column, you know, and you mentioned, you know, about slipping on a banana peel at the one yard line and um, things could still happen. Do you know what I mean? That are way out of my control. But I do have confidence that, as I say, the shovels are going to be in the ground in the next few weeks. So, have a, you know, keep an eye out for that when you're walking by. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh so one of the reasons we're talking is uh, it's your 40th year working at the Guelph Public Library. So congratulations. Yep. Happy anniversary. Yep. All that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, I mean, we live in times where that kind of longevity at, at a place of work is, is rare. Did you think, you know, the first day on the job, you would still be at the Guelph Public Library four decades later? Absolutely not. I mean, like I was 22 years old, okay, and I was fresh. I think I was still in library school. It was one of the last few weeks of library school when I came for the interview, and I had no idea where Guelph was. I mean, I got a, I had a vague idea, but being 22, I mean, you're kind of wrapped up in yourself. So I came for the interview. I just wanted good experience. Then I didn't hear from them, and a couple of weeks later, they offered me the job, and I thought, well no one else has offered me a job I guess I better take it and I was only going to be here you know because I knew everything at 22 years old I was only going to be here for a year and then I don't know what I was going to do after that but nevertheless um, no I had no idea it was going to be 40 years and you're absolutely right that is unusual I mean this in this day and age I mean like what do people have an average of five six seven jobs in their in their lifetime these days yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm unsure of the statistic but um, you know, government employees, whether they're municipal, federal, or provincial, that kind of thing. I mean, um, you know, I mean, historically, they would stay in the job for a long time. But these days, it's it's a little bit unusual. And I have been very lucky and very blessed. This is a great place to work. Okay. I haven't always done the, the job of CEO. Mm -hmm. But, um, but um, you know, I worked my way up through the organization and was, as I say, was um, lucky enough to get this job. And it's a really good gig. So. You remember you started in the children's library, didn't you? I did, and I was nervous as hell if I can use that word on a podcast because <laughs> I had no idea what public what being a public librarian was like, let alone a children's librarian. So they wanted me to do story time, and I was oh for days, you know, ahead of time. I was nervous, so nervous, but I got through it, and. Um, Apparently, I was good at it. <laughs> you know, back in, you know, the, the kids would just, you know, inch closer to you and closer to you and you're reading the story. Next thing you know, they're like, you know, they're they're leaning on your shoulder while you're reading the story. And these days you have to be very careful about what you do in, you know, public format like that. But I mean, the kids were just wonderful. I, I really did enjoy it. It was it's a it was exhausting, but uh, fun. So. What made you choose the. I, I know it's technically the library sciences, but it's also a bit the library arts. But uh, what what put you in that direction to to make that a, a life's work? Um, I had no idea what I was going to do. I mean, to tell you the truth, I mean, I needed I knew I needed a job, and um, when I was in school, I was um, working part time, just a few hours a week in the library, and I thought that I 
thought it was maybe something I could do. And I talked to one of the librarians there and I said to Pam, I wanted to go to library school. And she said, no, no, Steve, you don't want to do that. And I said, yeah, yeah, Pam, I think I do. And um, it did work out for me. So they accepted me into the graduate program. Um, I, <laughs> I graduated. And um, it really, I mean, for someone who was curious, someone who has a history, I have a history and an English um, literature background. This is a great um, opportunity for me. I mean, you can just, I mean, the, the work can be demanding and challenging in, in many different ways, but I mean, it certainly does feed my curiosity and my my intellectuality. <laughs> I mean, if you can say something <laughs> snotty like that, right? Right. <laughs> but, you know, you, you come into the job, it's... 1983 mm -hmm. uh not to put a date on it but there it is that was the uh, date that was the date. <laughs> uh, you know we, we we start to i mean that's about the time you start seeing you know apple twos everywhere in in classrooms and things mm -hmm. that's you know when we start getting into you know keeping information on discs and things and and just the availability of the technology and now to look back now i mean did, were, were you aware, I mean, in so much as anyone's kind of aware, but were you aware just how drastically the technology was going to change your job even 40 years ago? No, not at all. Because, I mean, we'd had a certain amount of, I think there were one or two courses that we took in computer training and, um, you know, designing things, programming, that kind of thing. But, I mean, we had no, I had no idea how it was going to change, absolutely. And I think, I mean, I joined a group of um, librarians who were very... Um, rooted in traditional methods and things like that. We had the card catalog, obviously. Um, and I think when I got here, there might have been one or two computers in the library, but they were just used to build indexes, okay? And um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, which was fine. I mean, like, but as you, as you say, you know, even a few years, five or 10 years later, I mean, like, you know, we were getting rid of the card catalog and, um, and the computer, um, those early computers were, were kind of scary because, <laughs> But my God, they helped me too. I mean, because I mean, like card catalog, you really had to rely on your brain and, um, you know, thinking up the proper subject headings or where to find information. Sometimes it was just by serendipity. You got lucky. But with the computer, it was more organized and um, you could feed in a word, a keyword, and it would, um, you know, spark some results, which would spark your brain to move even further. Now, of course, computers are much more sophisticated and you can barely finish, you barely need to finish typing the word before you've, you know, found your results so mm -hmm. yeah no it i had no idea and the same thing with your phone too i mean like i'm picking up my phone now i mean like you know what i've got in my hand doesn't resemble anything that we had 10 years ago right yeah and 10 years from now um, this is going to be obsolete so who knows where things are going i mean so i mean it, it, these are exciting times so does that you know make you wonder like the the steve craft who's starting in a children's library somewhere today, maybe on a course to become the CEO of their library. Like what does, what does a library look like in 40 years? Well, that's just it. That's a good question, right? I mean, like, I mean, I think in many ways, I mean, the books aren't going away. That's one thing we discovered after COVID. Okay. Mm. I mean, like, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, our, our services certainly um, pivoted with, to use that horrible, you know, overused <laughs> word. But um, when we reopened to the public, um, the um, circulation in hard copy has um, rebounded and exploded. It's become 
much, um, much, uh, much larger than it was before COVID. Okay, so during COVID, people were using electronic resources, which was just, I mean, marvelous to see. But they've returned to the hard copy. I think people still want that physical feeling of turning a page, mm. right? Now, mind you, a lot of seniors, <clears throat> if we, you know, um, love their iPads and their Kindles and et cetera, et cetera, because they do facilitate. Um, their active lifestyle, let's say. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I myself love books. So 40 years from now, who knows? We're still going to have libraries. Um, we're still going to have those community hubs that people need. I mean, people can come in here, use all the resources, say hello to Steve or Dan or whoever's, you know, um, behind the desk, that kind of thing. And um, it's um, kind of an event in, in your day. So It does seem that the library has sort of become, I mean, it's not to say that it's sort of future proof in that, you know, the library has certainly adapted in a lot of ways, but I think we've talked about this before. I remember a teacher I had in elementary school who would say, and this was like 1989, he'd say like, you know, in 10 years, there's going to be no more libraries. And like, he was envisioning like that future where everybody had like access to a library on a Kindle or something that like, we didn't know what it would be called, but that was sort of his vision of, of what the future is. And library space, I mean, granted you go into the library, it's not just the book stacks anymore. It's, it's meeting space, it's tech space, it's maker space, but the books are still there. You see them when you walk in and it just seems like despite the technological changes and you can get books on you know, tablets and Kindles and things. But the physical, the idea of holding that physical book is just something even young people can't get over. Exactly. Right. I mean, like, and just as an example, um, picture books, picture books haven't made the transition yet to, Mm -hmm. you know, or at least successfully to a digital format. I'm not sure about cookbooks either. I mean, you can buy cookbooks in a digital format, but I still want to, you know, have the book propped open on the counter when you're doing something like that. Um, I'm thinking, you know, something that did disappear were the um, um, auto repair manuals. Okay, we really? don't have as ma- yeah, we don't have as many of those, and I'm not sure. Maybe people aren't repairing their own autos like they used to anymore because they're more complicated. Yeah, but I mean, some things have. I mean, some books have disappeared, obviously, but the majority. I mean, there's still an audience for reading a physical copy, a hard copy. Yeah, you know the weird thing about picture books. You see picture books, and it, I would think that would be one of the things I would make it like sort of an easier transition because you know you could on the tablet move the thing around zoom in you know you're not constrained by the by a page like a 11 by 17 page or however big it is it's it's kind of weird yeah, I, I agree with you i mean like there probably are options there because you could touch the page move in zoom in and look at the turtle or the snake or something like that or right i mean zoom in or it'll give yourself some information or not but i mean babies you know are still i think are very tactile they want to mm. be very sensory you know sense all right sensory oriented but mm-hmm. um you know i mean like a board book is still something light and you it's got three or four or five ten pages maybe at the most but um I don't see them holding up an <laughs> iPad mini at this point. <laughs> but, but you're right. But technology is going to change. So. Yeah. Yeah. I know my nine-month-old nephew is very tactile at the moment. I have the, mm-hmm. the pinches to prove it. Um, <laughs> Bite marks. Yeah. Not quite. Not quite. <laughs> He's very private about his teeth. He is growing teeth, but he won't let you look at them. Oh. It's, uh, yeah. He's very, it's very unusual. Anyway, back to you. Um, <laughs> I wanted to ask this question because it's come up in, in 
in in the library board meetings a couple of times this idea that library the, the library is a bit bigger than just like the repository of knowledge and all the, those changes it's becoming as much sort of a a social services space now and in talking about the future i'm just wondering in in regards to that are are we I mean, adapting. Is there like a fulsome understanding, I guess, on the part of just sort of like average community members, just how much of your day is like the helping people with sort of like basic living assistance in terms of like finding services, finding information, finding jobs, finding help, whatever that is, you know, are are you as much social workers now as you are librarians? Uh, yeah, that's a really good question. And that all those things that you just listed there, I mean, are things that we have always done, okay? Mm. We've always been there for people, but I mean, there are certainly more people out there in the community who need that specialized assistance, okay? Mm -hmm. And we certainly do do that, and some libraries have invested in social workers too. Now, as I've said, right now in um, our community, I don't think I need to do that, at least not at this point, because we have so much, uh, such good assistance um, in with use, using other agencies and the community, um, welcoming streets, stepping stones, Stonehenge, things like that. These are all resources. I mean, they have staff that we can call upon if we do need assistance, right? And I'll say that to mean the traditional support services like um, <clears throat> mental health or um, the police and the fire department and the ambulance, I mean, are always there when we need them. They have never failed us. Okay, mm -hmm. so um, as I say, I mean, I think I'm quite proud right now, and I'm going to knock wood here because I'm probably going to jinx myself, but we have it under control here. Okay, mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. um, some libraries have it much more um, um, severe than we do. Okay, I know, let's say, let's use Toronto as an example. I mean, of their 100 branches, maybe like a quarter of them, maybe like 25 of them have, you know, um, customers with. Um, acute issues, okay, mm -hmm. whether it's drug addiction or mental health, or even, I mean, some of them are, can be violent as well. But I mean, like right now, Canada being what is it, the third, you know, safest city, or sorry, Guelph being the third safest city in, um, you know, Canada, we, we really don't have that yet. And as I say, I, I am quite happy that the library is able to manage um, th those customers um, as well as we do, okay? So we know a lot of them by name. So right. I mean, like, you know, now, hi, Steve. Hi, Adam. That kind of thing. Right. I mean, how are you doing today? And some people are having, you know, more trouble than others. But what's really nice, too, is that our regular customers, um, should, I mean, I hate to you know, identify them as regular or irregular, but I mean, like, right. come here, come here, you know, on a regular basis. I mean, they're all part of the community. They all do accept that. OK. I mean, like, you know, there's someone who's having trouble here. I'm, you know, and this hello. How are you? So it's a we all we're all getting along together nicely at this point anyway. So and and there's a quality to that in the library and and this is this is something that's been noted in a lot of different people in a lot of different ways. Library is one of the few places where um you you don't kind of have to have like a specific reason to be there. You could go on the computer, you can check out the book, you can check out the 3D printer, you can check out the DVDs or whatever. Mm -hmm. There's no cost for entry. If you sit down at a table, you don't have to order a drink. It's it, it, it's 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 community it's true community space it's true community space it's the last free space let's say i mean yeah. maybe i'm over exaggerating but it's the last free space you can come in and do a jigsaw puzzle if you like and just talk to yvonne or something like that while you're doing it that kind of thing um you can bring a coffee in if you want i mean that's great 
I'm not going to encourage you to, you know, eat a, you know, turkey dinner. But if that's if that's what you want to do today, um, you know, if, if that if that was your reason for being here, just be careful, okay, and enjoy yourself. So. <laughs> in in keeping that though, and I I appreciate your knocking wood. Um, in in thinking about all the changes in the future, I mean, it, it's I, I think there's an idea here that. And it may not be completely trickled through to the rest of the community yet that just this idea that libraries are not just about where you go to get the books and stuff. Um, it's it, it could be a community center and it might, you know, we don't know. We don't know the future, but, you know, it's it's conceivable we might get to the point where the library does have like an official social worker on staff or a nurse, mm -hmm. because that's I mean, again, it's everyone knows where the library is. It's access is is relatively easy and it's just it's just the, the place people go when they need knowledge and and help finding knowledge and so it's is it, it it's probably not that unreasonable to think that that kind of service could extend to the body as well as the mind at some point yeah absolutely i mean like we were joking amongst ourselves some days we need a therapist right <laughs> i mean yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and I'm sorry, I mean, I do make light of a lot of things, but I mean, it's sure. true, right? I mean, like, you know, I mean, a social worker would be great. Um, so, I mean, so we're just, um, at this point, we don't need it. We're very careful with our budget, okay? But when we open that new library, okay, it is meant to be flexible. The space is meant to be flexible. So it will grow and shrink, and like a room will grow and shrink as we need it, that kind of thing. There's going to be lots of meeting space. It's going to be open, you know, after hours if we need it. So let's say if Steve's going to get married for the second or third time, I mean, like you, you can rent a space and um and you know and and celebrate after hours okay um there's going to be out some outdoor space there's going to be that creative space um there's going to be lots of technology too i mean like you know people are still reading books but i mean it's going to morph into like you know streaming services i mean we, we offer streaming services now but what do those look like in the future um and many people in this day of economic <laughs> uncertainty um i like to say i mean like i listen, I have a good job. I can afford to buy books, but I don't always want to buy them. I don't always want to own them and keep them forever. So that's why I use the library a lot, right? It's an economically, environmentally sound thing to do, okay? I mean, let's use Prince Harry's book as an example, Spare. Sure. I mean, we all wanted to read it, but do we want to have a copy on our um, shelf forever and ever, amen? Right. right. So, Or um, donate it to the big book sale. Donated to the book sale right in September this year. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, 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 the, the, the library will be flexible. It's, it will always be a community space, okay? And it will reflect the community. So, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna throw this out there because I know there are reasons, but the borrowing limit on Hoopla is killing me, Steve. I know. Oh, I know exactly. It's not the first time I heard that. <laughs> so we are doing everything we can to make it um, more available to you as an addicted <laughs> library user. Okay. And, fair enough. Uh, fair and, enough. And, and I thank you. Okay. <laughs> fair enough. Well, you've opened the door to the new library uh, building. Uh, I'm curious uh, how much of your day or week on average is sort of the the effort to sort of get get that ready to go not just like i mean construction obviously is not necessarily um on your desk but i mean in terms of like the preparations the sort of longer term preparations that move is going to be a, a tough move in a couple of years absolutely um 
how should I say? I mean, like, you know, right now, I mean, up until now, up until the groundbreaking, okay, I mean, a substantial portion of my week, you know, was dedicated to organizing things and making sure things were still on track. But it's nice to see now that we passed that milestone, as I say, I have confidence that it is going to get built and there will be some um, a machinery on site digging that, you know, that those holes. <laughs> but um, but now we've got to sort of set our sights on, as you say, organizing things to um, make that move. And it's going to be large. And we have a project manager um, on staff now that we've hired who is going to look after that for us. So my mm -hmm. day isn't necessarily consumed by that as much as it was. But um, I'm happy to uh, manage and organize things and make sure that we are looking after, um, you know, is, is the what furniture are we buying? That kind of thing. What are we doing for that opening day collection? So on and so forth. I mean, are the, you know, staff. We have to, um, <laughs> we have to hire, <laughs> listen, I mean, like, you know, we, we're, we're almost tripling the size um, from this location to the new one. Yeah. And we have to hire more staff. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like we make sure that we're, we're making good hires. Okay. I mean, like we're not going to do it. Um, <laughs> you can't just, you know, <laughs> go from, from nothing to something on opening day. So we have to gradually, um, you know, hire people and to make sure everything's in place for that. So that's, you know what, and that's an exciting time. I mean, that, that, that makes um, being a librarian fun. So does sort of, I mean, tripling the size, that's, I mean, that it just sounds incredible. Is, mm -hmm. is that daunting in any way for you as a manager? You know, no, I haven't even thought of it, of it that way. I mean, like, you know, because I mean, it's the KPMG, you know, business case decided and rightly so that that's the um, correct size, qu correct square footage is at 88,000 square feet um, for a city of that's um, growing. So, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm confident that we're, we're moving in the right direction. The design looks great. Um, I think you're going to be really pleased and you're going to want to stay much longer. You don't want to, you want to do hoopla at home. You want to come here to the library and, uh, you know, <laughs> and, and, and watch participate in everything. So um, it, it really will be a, a great place to come. It'll be a nice attraction. I want to pause so. and, and geek out for a minute because I mean, I was at the groundbreaking. Um, I, I knew it would tra attract a lot of attention, at least so far as dignitaries go. Like I knew there'd be library board past and present. There'd be city councilors past and present. There was, I mean, I don't want to as, as assign like supernatural qualities to it, but it, it was a bit weird. It was like half of downtown was drawn there for half an hour to see this thing. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Right. I mean, and did you notice everybody wanted to hold a shovel and, yeah. and, 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 you know what, throw some dirt in the air. Right. That was really cool. I like that. So, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, you brought a right. special shovel, William Teitler shovel, which I, you know, up until the day of, I didn't know really existed. I know we had a lot of fun things. There's a lot of treasure to be found in our archives, such as it is. And, um, Dan, bless his little pointed head, brought that shovel to me and said, here, use this, okay? So I said, what is that? Yeah, and it was William Tytler's shovel, which is very cool, huh? It was cool. <laughs> it was a little cool. Yeah. Um, I want to look around at the other the libraries because I, I think, you know, and, and you will agree, you don't want to make, you don't want those branches to sort of get lost in the, the transition yeah. here. What is the future for, or I guess the immediate future as you know, all the eyes are kind of downtown, you know, what is, what does it look like for those branches? And I mean, have you thought far out into where the library might expand next? Um, I suspect, yeah. Okay. I mean, like my, people will, will criticize us and say, why are you building that big library downtown when my branch library is sufficient and it's all mm. I need. And those people will never leave their branch library 
I shouldn't say never, but I mean, like, um, they love the branch library and I love them for loving it. Okay. It's a big <laughs> love fest, flower power and everything. Um, but that central library feeds those branches. Okay. And it makes sure that you have a good experience and all the material that you need um, in those branches because of the central library. Um, it's still a growing city, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, that's a separate topic of conversation and we need to grow mm. quickly according to the, you know, uh, legislation and desire of the um, provincial government. So, and yeah, as you also know, the um, city is projected to expand south of Clare Road. Mm -hmm. So um, let's, I don't know, do we have, there are probably, be a branch south of Clare Road or is Westminster Square branch enough to um, service that entire area for the time being okay so that's something that um, uh, we'll have to we'll hire a consultant to do a study for us okay so it's like a growth study or and just to see um, where the next um, service area will be okay but mm -hmm. there'll be so, there'll be something out there I mean like in the next 10-15 years as Clare, Clare Road that's what we're calling it comes online then we'll need to be part of that as well are we part of a school are we part of a rec center are we part of you know um something else uh, you know I would, I would seriously i would love to be next to an lcbo or a tim hortons or a grocery store because i mean like their customers i mean like it's one-stop shopping for right for people right. so yeah it's it makes sense to combine a library amongst the commercial area uh because yeah. it is that one-stop shopping and to, to further add to the point, too, if you go to any library branch on a Saturday, it's not empty. It's, it's not empty. Wherever yeah. you go, it's busy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, you know, our programming has really exploded, especially for young people. OK, I mean, like those kids are coming back in droves. Um, there was baby time. What do we call it? Um, there's baby massage. OK, that was mm -hmm. that was um, that was yesterday morning, I think. Anyway, I mean, like all these programs are great. So. Love it. <laughs> and again, this is something that you kind of only clue into if you go to the board meetings, but you know, your staff are doing a lot right now and, mm -hmm. you know, maybe overtaxed to a certain extent, but trying to like keep up with the programming. So, you know, you may, people may, may just sort of look at the, the growth that's coming to the, with the new main branch, but it's, it's completely justified growth, right? You know, you have one, I think there's one person on your staff right now who does all programming, but do I have that right? <laughs> we have, we have, we have one manager whose um, area of concentration is programming, but right now we have um, Andrea, who's our full-time programmer. And then we have some um, part-timers as well, but right. you're absolutely correct. I mean, there are expectations that programming is offered, I mean, in the library, through the library system. And um, that's something that we're going to need to develop um, higher for as we get um, closer to the um, building or opening that new central library. Okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, when this library that I'm sitting in right now was built, I mean, there was never any expectation of providing adult programming. It was mm. mostly for children. Okay. And so that's why we've had a, a tough time of, you know, trying to, to provide those, those streams, adult and children's and or teen programming as well. So, I mean, like it's so, and rightly so people have expectations and, and as taxpayers, I want to take advantage of all that, you know, um, <laughs> that sort of thing, because there are wonderful opportunities out there. Speaker series, you know, um, engineering programs, um, STEAM, that kind of thing, right? So, um, and a good library is a reflection of a good community, okay? Mm -hmm. So, um, we need to provide um, all those things to people, just to um, 
make them better citizens, okay? So critical thinkers, as I said. We need we need more critical thinkers. <laughs> so yeah, that's I mean that's almost an entirely separate topic. Um if you could change anything about the library regardless of budget or politics what would you do if you just had the power to sort of affect change Ooh, you should have given me that question ahead of time <laughs> i don't know but i mean like um i don't i listen i'm really in a happy place right now because that new central library is happening that would have been my wish i mean right <laughs> uh, you know up up you know a few years ago is just get that thing built but um no, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, maybe don't better marketing or something like that. I don't know. If I had if I had a huge marketing budget, I think I'd like to reach out there and just sort of pull in those people who uh, try to pull back those people who don't believe in libraries anymore for whatever, you know, mm. silly reason they have these thoughts. But I mean, I couldn't survive without a library and I'd like to be able to, you know, reassure people or convince people that um, it's, a, it's as necessary as I believe they are. So, well, let me they look are. at the, Let me look at the question a different way then, you know, we're talking about the nebulous future and not sh being sure what's coming next, but I mean, it, from where you're, from where you're sitting right now, is there anything a library can't do? Hmm. Well, you mean, we can't repair your car or, you know, um, <laughs> Or, you know, I don't, I can't, sort of, you know, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, geez, what can't we do? I, you know something, <laughs> listen, that it's really, that's a good question. But I mean, like when we do get requests, we do try to fulfill them. Okay. As much as we can. So, um, I don't know. <laughs> you know we, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, going forward, I would just like to see more people writing and more people publishing and, um, you know, and just have more readers reading. Mm. That kind of thing. So, yeah. Well, I think that's a wish that can probably be granted. But uh, Steve Kraft, again, congratulations on 40 years and, and thank oh. you for all your hard work. And thank you for, for joining us here today. It's appreciated. Thank you again for having me. It's always a pleasure. So. And once again, that was Steve Kraft. You can learn more about the Guelph Public Library, its programming and locations at its website, guelphpl.ca. You can also connect with him on social media at Guelph Library on Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest, or at Guelph Public Library on Instagram and YouTube. The next meeting of the Guelph Public Library Board is on Monday, September 25th at 6 p.m. And that is it for this edition of the show. We hope you liked it. You can download the Guelph Politicast every Wednesday from Apple, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. And when you subscribe to the Guelph Politicast channel, you'll get an episode of Open Source's Guelph on Mondays and an episode of End Credits on Fridays. The music for the Guelph Politicast comes from KPM Classics and Sid Dale. You can follow Guelph Politico on social media at Guelph Politico on Twitter and at Politico Guelph on Facebook. You can follow me at Adam A. Donaldson on Twitter and Instagram, or you can send me an email at adamadonaldson at gmail.com. And if you'd like to help financially support the work of Guelph Politico, you can get all that information at guelphpolitico.ca slash donate. And finally, for all the latest local political news, check out guelphpolitico.ca, where we will have a new episode of the Guelph Politicast for you next week. And until then, we'll see you next time.